is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know... It's going to be something enormously historic tomorrow, and long overdue. We finally have a president who has the guts and the wisdom to, on behalf of the United States, recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. And I'm going to talk at some length about that a little later in the program, but it is a big deal. There's another big deal, ladies and gentlemen. We are now seeing... Uh, Bob Mueller, the so-called special counsel, a.k.a. the special impeachment counsel, we're now seeing more and more of the unraveling of his staff, his operation, his investigation. This is as partisan a hack job as I've ever seen, and I served eight years in the Reagan administration. And I served as Chief of Staff to the Attorney General of the United States. I saw independent counsel come and independent counsel go. Because back then there was an independent counsel statute. Put in place mostly by the Democrats. Carl Levin was the senator from Michigan back then. A complete disaster. He was there forever. And Barney Frank, the disaster from Massachusetts. And only after Bill Clinton faced the wrath of the independent counsel statute that they agree to let the statute lapse. Mr. Mueller is completely out of control. Mr. Mueller is a hack. I don't care if he's registered as a Republican or not. What does that have to do with anything? You know, when the man was put up for FBI director the first time, one of his primary sponsors was Barbara Boxer. Did you know that? He'd been U.S. attorney out there in California, I believe it was San Francisco, and she thought he was terrific, absolutely terrific. But Mr. Mueller, in his old age, has decided that he wants a legacy, that he wants to be the next Archibald Cox, that this is Watergate, he's going to break it open. And he's hired a bunch of hacks, disgusting left-wing pukes, some with law degrees, some without all on the federal payroll. One of them, of course, as you know, is this FBI agent, Peter Strazek. A complete hack. So bad that Mueller himself covered up that fact from the United States Congress for months. Mueller didn't want to lose this guy. Mueller wanted to keep him on. If it wasn't for the Inspector General of the Department of Justice, who saw the texts between this Peter Strozok, a married man, and his mistress, Lisa Page, both of whom worked for the FBI, both of whom at some point were working for Mueller. He'd still be there. We have a deputy director of the FBI whose wife is a liberal Democrat. She ran for the state Senate in the Commonwealth of Virginia with a backing of over a half a million dollars from the bagman for the Clintons, 
the governor of Virginia, McAuliffe. Never occurred to the deputy attorney general, Mr. McCabe, to recuse himself. Never occurred to him as he was working as the number two guy right under Jim Comey. Jim Comey. Very, very close to Robert Mueller. You can see how this works. Robert Mueller, up to his eyeballs and covering up the Uranium One deal, up to his eyeballs and covering up the Peter Strozak situation, including from the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, who'd been asking for months about this man's situation, Strozak. And he woke up one day and he read about it in the Washington Post and the New York Times because it was selectively leaked by the FBI, by the Justice Department, and or Mr. Mueller's operation in order to control the damage, they thought. In order to control the damage, they thought. More on Peter Strazek in a moment. Now, the deputy to Mr. Mueller was his general counsel when he was the FBI director, and he was also close to Comey. Also close to Comey. And his name, well, Weissman. Andrew Weissman. That's his lieutenant, his number one guy. Andrew Weissman is a hack. He's a hack. I've told you about him before. But we'll get into him again. The latest is, he praised former acting Attorney General Sally Yates, an Obama appointee, another left-wing hack, you'll remember her, for refusing to enforce President Trump's travel ban. And yet, President Trump's travel ban, at least the second iteration, was upheld by the United States Supreme Court 7-2, and I suspect the first one would have been as well. And he sent an email to Yates for defying the President of the United States. Another liberal Democrat, this same guy, Andrew Weissman, maxed out in his donations to the Obama campaign and the Clinton campaign. And Mueller chooses him as his lieutenant. And what he wrote to Yates was, quote, I am so proud and in awe. Thank you so much. All my deepest respects. This is what he wrote to Yates on January 30. And that same day, as the Daily Caller points out, Yates told the Justice Department not to defend an executive order banning immigration from seven nations, an act which eventually led to her dismissal by the president. And these emails were obtained by our friends over at Judicial Watch through a FOIA. So you have the deputy to Robert Mueller, You had the chief FBI investigator to Robert Mueller, both of whom are political partisans, both of whom are dressed up as public officials who are supposed to uphold the public trust, neither of whom should be anywhere near this investigation, anywhere near. Absolutely incredible. Weissman, the number two prosecutor, longtime general counsel to Mueller. 
all of whom are friends with Comey. And the FBI agent. The FBI agent, Peter Strozok. Now more on Peter Strozok in a minute. Let me tell you about Mr. Weissman. Let me remind you who this man is. This man who was so thrilled that the Obama holdover was undermining the President of the United States and his lawful immigration executive order. In a piece written in The Hill by Sidney Powell, and I've mentioned this piece before, but a reminder is important. And Sidney Powell was a federal prosecutor himself in three districts under nine United States attorneys from both political parties. It's a she, actually. And she's past president of the Bar Association of the Fifth Federal Circuit. In other words, she's a serious person. Former federal prosecutor. She wrote, much has been written about the prosecutorial prowess of Robert Mueller's team assembled to investigate allegations of Russia's involvement in the Trump campaign. Little has been said of the danger of prosecutorial overreach and the true history of Mueller's lead prosecutor. Look how prescient this is. She wrote this on October 19th. What was supposed to have been a search for Russia's cyberspace intrusions into our electoral politics has morphed into a malevolent mission targeting friends, family, and colleagues of the president. The Mueller investigation has become an all-out assault to find crimes to pin on them. And it won't matter if there are no crimes to be found. This team can make some. Boy, she right on. Written almost two months ago. Many Americans despise President Trump and anyone associated with him. Yet turning our system of justice into a political weapon is a danger we must guard against. Yet Mueller tapped a different sort of prosecutor to lead his investigation. His longtime friend and former counsel, Andrew Weissman. He's not just a tough prosecutor. Time after time, courts have reversed Weissman's most touted victories for his tactics. For his tactics. This is hardly the stuff of a hero in the law. Weissman is deputy and later director of the Enron Task Force. Destroyed the venerable accounting firm of Arthur Anderson and its 85,000 jobs worldwide, only to be reversed several years later by a unanimous United States Supreme Court. Next, Weissman creatively criminalized a business transaction between Merrill Lynch and Enron. Four Merrill executives went to prison for as long as a year. Weissman's team made sure they did not even get bail pending their appeals. Does this sound familiar? Where Manafort and Gates could barely get bail in order to have Thanksgiving with their family? Remember that? Well, now you know the invisible hand or the invisible iron fist behind this. So Weissman's team made sure they did not, these four Merrill executives, even get bail pending their appeals, even though the charges Weissman concocted, like those against Anderson, were literally unprecedented. Weissman's prosecution devastated the lives and families of the Merrill executives, causing enormous defense costs, unimaginable stress, and torturous prison time. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals reversed the mass of the case. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, it's the process that's the killer, not even the outcome. So Weissman quietly resigned from the Enron Task Force, just as the judge in the Enron broadband prosecution began excoriating Weissman's team, and the press began catching on to his modus operandi. 
Mueller knows this history. Is this why he tapped Weissman to target Paul Manafort? As Attorney General Jackson foretold, therein is the dangerous power of the prosecutor, that he will pick people that he thinks he should get rather than pick cases that need to be prosecuted. We all lose from Weissman's involvement. First, the truth plays no role in Weissman's quest. Second, respect for the rule of law, simple decency, and following the facts do not appear in Weissman's playbook. Third and most important, all Americans lose whenever our judicial system becomes a weapon to reward political friends and punish political foes. It's long past the due date for Mueller to clean up his team or Weissman to resign as a sign that the United States is a nation of laws that are far more important than one Weissman. Sidney Powell, as I said, she was a federal prosecutor in three districts under nine United States attorneys from both political parties. This is the number two under Mueller. The number two under Mueller. And really the lead, the lead prosecutor in the case. Now you see what Michael Flynn was up against. Now you see, like Manafort or not, what he's up against. Now you see what the president's up against. A rogue, out-of-control operation, starting from the very top. Now, that's the prosecutorial side. On the investigative side of the same office, the man who headed it, Peter Strozok. First of all, he's an adulterer. Now, when I worked at the Department of Justice, adulterers were, fought, were fired. Do you know why? Because they can be blackmailed, particularly if they're in the FBI. They can be blackmailed by the Russians, by the Chinese, by others. So it wasn't a matter of personal, private conduct. It was a matter of utmost concern to the FBI. But apparently not today. Because it took the Inspector General of the Department of Justice, not Mr. Mueller, not the current director of the FBI, to uncover this. To uncover this. I will get into now Mr. Strozok in just a moment. Mark Daily Caller, Chuck Ross has an excellent piece. Top Clinton aides face no charges after making false statements. This is this guy, uh, Strozok, who threw the Clinton investigation. He threw it just as Comey threw it. The FBI agent who was fired from Special Counselor Mueller's Russia investigation team, although he's at, in HR, by the way, at the FBI, for sending anti-Donald Trump text messages and by the way, pro-Hillary text messages, conducted the interviews with two Hillary Clinton aides accused of giving false statements about what they knew of the former Secretary of State's private email server. Hear that? False statements. Neither of the Clinton associates, Cheryl Mills and Huma Abedin, faced legal consequences for their misleading statements, which they made in interviews last year with former FBI Section Chief Peter Strozok. But another... Another Strozok interview subject was not so lucky. Michael Flynn, the former National Security Officer, advisor, that is, pleaded guilty last week to lying during an interview he gave on January 24 to Strozok and another FBI agent. Circle journalist Sarah Carter reported on Monday that 
Strozik took part in that interview with the retired lieutenant general. So the guys involved in the Hillary Clinton interview, he's in charge of the investigation of the Hillary Clinton case on the FBI side. Cheryl Mills and Hubena Abedin give absolutely misleading statements about what they knew. They get a pass. Meanwhile, he's involved in the Michael Flynn interview in this phony collusion investigation, a.k.a. an impeachment investigation. And in that case, they charge Mr. Flynn. At the time, Strozik was the FBI's top investigator in the fledgling investigation into Russian interference in the presidential campaign. He was appointed to supervise that effort at the end of July 2016, just weeks after the conclusion of the Clinton email probe. CNN reported on Monday that as the FBI's number two counterintelligence official, he signed the documents that officially opened the collusion inquiry. He signed the documents. The starkly different outcomes from Strozik's interviews, a felony charge against Flynn and a free pass to Mills and Abedin, are sure to raise questions from Republicans, or any rational person in my view, about double standards in the FBI's two most prominent political investigations. I'm not done. I'll be right back. This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. Mr. Strozik, the lead FBI investigator, the reason why Mr. Mueller wouldn't tell Congress about this man's transgressions, the reason why Mr. Mueller covered up for Mr. Strozik and ran interference for him, against members of Congress. The reason why it took the Inspector General to determine Mr. Strozik's true motives is because Mr. Mueller did not want to reveal the fact that Mr. Strozik uh, was involved in two key investigations. Two key investigations. And as a result of Mr. Strozik, Mrs. Clinton was cleared. Her top people were cleared. She could continue to run for President of the United States rather than face charges. And yet, he was responsible in part for opening the investigation into Russian collusion. So here you have the man at the tip of the spear in both investigations throwing them. Throwing one for Clinton and one against Trump world. He's a rat fink. That's right, he's a rat fink. That's exactly what he is. On the public payroll. And now the media lecture us. What, are you attacking the FBI? No, this clown's attacking the FBI. Mueller's attacking the FBI. They're undermining the credibility of law enforcement throughout the country. These are not the kind of G-men you used to see on TV in the movies. These are political hacks, which is exactly why the Democrats love them. Which is exactly why the Democrats cite to them. Destrozok was also a prominent part of the Clinton investigation, so much so, as they write in the Daily Caller, that he conducted almost all of the most significant interviews in the case. 
Along with Justice Department Attorney David Lofman, Strozak interviewed Clinton herself on July 2, 2016. The pair also interviewed Mills and Abbott and two other Clinton aides, Jake Sullivan and Heather Samuelson. Summaries of the interviews, known as 302s, were released by the FBI last year. Now, a review of those documents con uh, conducted by the Daily Caller shows that Mills and Abedin told Strozok and Lofman that they were not aware of Clinton's server's uh, server until after she left the State Department. Mills did not learn Clinton was using a private server until after Clinton's Department of State tenure, reads notes from Mills, April 9, 2016 interview. Mills stated she was not even sure she knew what a server was at the time. Abbott had also denied knowing about Clinton's server until leaving the State Department in 2013. The notes say Abbott did not know that Clinton had a private server until about a year and a half ago when it became public knowledge. That's what she said in the interview. But undercutting, undercutting these denials are email exchanges in which both Mills and Abbott either directly discussed or were involved in discussing Clinton's server. Mills and Abedin were also involved in an August 30, 2011 exchange in which State Department official Stephen Mull mentioned that Clinton's email server is down. And in January 9, 2011 email exchange, Cooper told Abedin that Clinton's server had been malfunctioning because someone was trying to hack us. And it goes on and on and on. They were familiar with the server, they knew what a server was, and they knew her server was private. But no charge. There's direct evidence. Direct evidence. But no charges. Strozok's role in the Clinton and Russia investigations took on a new significance. After the bombshell revelation, the FBI veteran exchanged politically charged text messages last year. He was kicked off Mueller's team over the summer after the Department of Justice Inspector General discovered that he sent the messages to Lisa Page, an FBI lawyer and his mistress. A watchdog had been investigating the FBI and DOG's handling of the Clinton email matter. Page, his mistress, also worked on the Mueller team for a short time over the summer. The D.C. also discovered that Strozok's wife, a Securities and Exchange Commission attorney named Melissa Hodgman, has a strong pro-Clinton bias. Her Facebook account so she's a member of groups called We Voted for Hillary, and thank you, Obama. It was reported back in August that Strozok had been removed from the Mueller team to the FBI's Human Resources Department. Mueller's office had declined for months to comment on the mysterious personnel move. Now, here's also an important point. It was also revealed this same guy, Strozok, was the FBI agent responsible for softening the language that Comey used in his July 5, 2016 statement, closing the Clinton investigation. Strozok edited a rough draft of Comey's speech, changing out the phrase grossly negligent, that's in the statute, with the softer phrase extremely careless. This is the same operation, the Mueller operation, that leaks and leaks and leaks. Leaks to the New York Times, leaks to Politico, leaks to the Washington Post, leaks to the left. Just as James Comey leaked, they leaked too. Weissman, Strozok, there are several members, other additional members of the Mueller team who are strong supporters of Obama and Clinton, donated money to their campaigns. 
This is the team Mr. Mueller put together. This is why, whatever you think of Paul Manafort, the conduct with guns drawn, the FBI going into a 1,600-square-foot condo while his wife and he are in bed at 6 in the morning, absolutely unnecessary. Fighting bail in front of a federal judge so he can't even celebrate Thanksgiving with his family? the hell is that all about? And in the case of General Flynn, as one of his friends or associates said, he pled because he was financially broke, he was emotionally broke, and his family had had enough. And notice, he went after Flynn's son. You don't hear any more about Flynn's son, do you? That's Weissman. Weissman, or better put, Weissman. Weissman, that's Weissman. With his fascistic tactics. Real prosecutors who understand their jobs, understand that they're supposed to seek the truth. You're not out to get people. You're out to get the facts. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if Mueller were a real prosecutor, other than an iron-fisted hack, he'd close this operation down. You want to know why? Because not in any of the cases he's brought, whether indictments being challenged or plea agreements. Not one case involves collusion with Russia during the Trump war, during the campaign by the Trump world. He hasn't found any. Because there isn't any. And that should have been the beginning and the end of it. After six months, eight months, that's what he should say. You know what? We look, we didn't find anything. But that's not what he's doing. As I've explained time and again, upon his appointment, the day after the election, this isn't about getting to the truth. It's not about uncovering real crimes. It's about destroying the presidency of this president. That's what it's about. Now, Mr. Strozok, by Heavy.com, he led the probe into possible ties between the Trump campaign and Russia. He's accused of sending disparaging text messages regarding Trump. But I want to ask you some other questions. Why shouldn't Mr. Mueller, Mr. Weissman, their entire team of prosecutors, be required to release their tax returns for the last 10 years? So we can see whether they practice what they preach. Why doesn't Mr. Mueller release his tax returns so we can see what associations or conflicts he might have? How about Mr. Weissman? Weissman! How about if... He's required to release his tax returns. I mean, after all, they're special, these special counsel. Have they been complying with the letter every dot and tilly? Have they been, have they been complying with the Internal Revenue Code? I would like to know, wouldn't you? Are they public officials? Yes. Their financial statements don't tell us enough. They've looked at Manafort's taxes. They've looked at Gates's taxes. I'm sure they've looked at Flynn's taxes. Everybody's demanding Trump's taxes. What about Mueller's tax returns? What about Weissman's tax returns? Matter of fact, what about Strokes, Strozok's tax returns? All these men can be blackmailed by the Russians. All these men can be blackmailed by anybody if they haven't followed the rules and the law. So why wouldn't she, we know? Why shouldn't we know? We, the American people. Well, we ought to know. Now there's this. 
Cut 12, Mr. Producer, audio 12, from Bloomberg, a news reporter, Stephen Ahrens. Go. Stephen, why hasn't Deutsche Bank just handed over these documents? Well, what they've said in the past, the Democrats in Congress have been pushing for them, for Deutsche Bank to release those documents in a while. But Deutsche Bank has always said we can't. It's a confidential client relationship. What documents? What documents? What do they want? What do the Democrats want? What does Mr. Mueller want? They're talking about Trump's bank, one of his banks. They're talking about Trump's banking records. The Democrats want Trump's banking records, like the good communists they are. Mr. Mueller wants Trump's banking records, according to Bloomberg. And, of course, the Bloomberg news agency, they never lie. They're always 100% accurate. Go ahead. These documents, uh, we need a formal request from Congress or now a subpoena. Uh, now they have it, and I guess uh, now they're releasing them. <laughs> Is it to Deutsche Bank's interest to actually release these documents? Might it eventually... Right, you know, that's enough. So what they're saying is they've been subpoenaed. President Trump's records from Deutsche Bank, a German bank, by Mr. Mueller's operation. But there's one problem, ladies and gentlemen. Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked about this at a White House briefing today. Cut eight. Go. If Robert Mueller ends up looking into the president's finances, or if he has already looked into the president's finances, does the president, does this White House believe that is a red line and if so why? Oh. Look, I think it's important to note, um, and hopefully you guys have seen the statement that uh, Jay Sekulow, a member of the president's legal team, has put out within the last hour that they confirmed that the news reports that the special counsel had subpoenaed financial records relating to the president are completely false. No subpoena has been issued or received. We've confirmed this with the bank and other sources. I think that this is another example of the media going too far too fast, uh, and we don't see it going in that direction. Well, that's fascinating, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? So who leaked that to Bloomberg? And why did Bloomberg run with this? And what are Mueller's intentions? And if he were to subpoena those records, under what authority? Under what authority? Well, they're very excited over at MSLSD. We have the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo, who uh, ironically are really angry with Matt Lauer. You know, you shouldn't be hitting on or dating people with whom you work. Did you hear that one, Mr. Producer? Uh, didn't they work together before they, uh, you know what? I think they did. I think they were colleagues. But here's Mika Brzezinski, daughter of the... I'll leave it alone. Of a man I have nothing but contempt for. Here's Mika Brzezinski. Cut seven, go. Knowing them, I think they're shocked that the noose is tightening. Because I don't know if they were arrogant or just incredibly unself-aware and really dumb about, like, what the job was about, how important it was, and how under the microscope every move you made would be. I think they just thought they'd go in there and flim-flam and riff through it. You know, and I think they're shocked that the noose is tightening the, and that people might go to jail. You're exactly right. For the rest of their lives. And you're exactly right, Mika, says the negative IQ deliverance type figure who sits next to her. With his bulbous W.C. Fields nose and his Woody the Woodpecker hair. You're exactly right, Mika. 
And by the way, I don't think people who work together should date. Do you, Mika? No, I, I don't, Joe, and you're exactly right, too. I'll be right back. Mark in. The FBI and the special counsel obstructing Congress's oversight responsibilities, if not flat-out misleading Congress. You've got this incestuous relationship between Mueller and Comey, Strozak, Weissman. We now see the, uh, the, the, the terrible violation of protocol and, and uh, partisanship and the dealing with the Hillary Clinton violations. And the pursuit of Donald Trump. We've got um, Uranium One hanging over all of this. Ladies and gentlemen, Mueller, Comey, Weissman, Strozek. This is political corruption at its worst. And look at the power they have. Enormous power. Introducing the brand new Genesel Droopy Eyelid Treatment. Here's Mary from Fort Collins, Colorado. I don't believe everything I hear, so I tried this eye lift on my right eye. The next day at work, everybody said my right eye looked better. I couldn't believe it. Yes, all these saggy lines on your eyelids gone in just days. And now this breakthrough eyelid treatment is yours free. With your order of Genesel for bags and puffiness. Plus, you'll also get Genesel 12-hour immediate effects. That's a second gift free. Go to Genesel.com, that's Genesel.com, or call 800-SKIN-604. Gets better, you know. Order in the next 20 minutes, and you get two more classics. Esoteek RF, Collagen Builder, and Deep Firming Serum, free. Call or click in the next 10 minutes. Express shipping is also free. Don't you want to look great for the holidays? That's five free gifts. Order now to get this new Genesel offer and your free gifts while supplies last. You know, my wife and I had uh, dinner with Teddy and his beautiful wife, Linda. And I said to Teddy at dinner, Teddy, you like free stuff. You love Genesel. Now's the time to act. He said, you're right. Absolutely right, he said. Please pass the bread. Anyway, call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's five free gifts. Order now to get this new Genesel offer and your free gifts while supplies last. 800-SKIN-604. It's that easy. 800-SKIN-604 or go to Genesel.com. Well, the Circle Nerds at the Wall Street Journal editorial page have had this right. They've actually been pretty good about this. Not much else. And they have a an editorial board editorial. Mueller's credibility problem. Mueller, ladies and gentlemen, has no credibility. None whatsoever. This would be like Chuck Schumer investigating the President of the United States. It would be like Chuck Schumer investigating the President of the United States. You had McCabe, the deputy director that I talked about. Strozak, who was the head investigator whom I talked about. The number one prosecutor behind Mueller in the case who's handling most of this. Weissman, who I've talked about. You have a number of these prosecutors who've donated to Democrats. That is Hillary for President. Obama for president on this staff. 
This is a Soviet-style persecution. A Soviet-style persecution by the Special Impeachment Council. That's exactly what's going on here. It is grotesque. It's like Banana Republic stuff. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. On this program, we not only have the guts, we have the common sense to go through this logically and discuss it in plain English. And I know this sounds weird, but do you realize the other hosts listening to this program, recording this program, transcribing this program, it's really pathetic use the same phraseology, the same arguments. It's okay, but I was trained differently. Back to Mr. Strozok. They're calling him Stroke or whatever they're calling him on the air. I don't know how to pronounce it. S-T-R-Z-O-K. He's the number two official in the counterintelligence division, but he was charged with conducting, leading these investigations. Do you know he was the key figure, or a key figure in the chain of events when the Bureau in 2016 received the infamous anti-Trump dossier and launched a counterintelligence investigation into Russian meddling in the election that ultimately came to encompass FISA surveillance of a Trump campaign associate, according to the Fox News? Fusion GPS was a collection of lies and gossip fed in part by Kremlin apparatchiks to Christopher Steele, a retired British spy who was hired by Fusion GPS, led by three left-wing Wall Street Journal former reporters. They were hired, in turn, by Mark Elias, a well-known Democrat hack lawyer, a bagman, a strawman, if you will, and he was hired by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC. Now that, apparently, is not worth Mr. Mueller's investigation, because why? it might reveal Mr. Strazak's involvement. That is, his involvement in using that phony dossier to help conduct an investigation or to launch the investigation into the so-called Russia collusion matter. Interesting, isn't it? Now, ladies and gentlemen, as I said months ago, the real collusion now is obvious. The collusion is with the Clinton campaign, the Democrat National Committee, uh, some of these these burrowed-in bureaucrats, including at the highest levels of the FBI and perhaps also at the Justice Department. It is they who have been colluding with Russia with the dossier. It is they who have been colluding with Russia on Uranium One. It is they who seek to take down this president under a false flag of collusion with Russia, in his case. Just to remind you one more time, because, you know, we have all the Nostradamus types out there. 
November 9, the day after the election. You see, ladies and gentlemen, a special counsel is appointed because he or she is supposed to be so independent, so pure, so objective, and yet here Mr. Mueller systematically hires supporters of Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, his top investigator is a left-wing Democrat hack, his top lawyer is a left-wing Democrat hack. What is the point in having such a special counsel? Well, the point is he's doing the service of the Democrats. How did Rod Rod Rosenstein, the Deputy Attorney General of the United States, determine to appoint a special counsel and appoint this one? That man needs to be questioned. That man also needs to go. He's a clown. November 9, 2016, the day after the election, on this radio program, Cut One Go. Let me tell you what the Democrats mean to do to you, Mr. Trump. They intend to sabotage you. They intend to sabotage you every step of the way and then blame you. They intend to look for every opportunity to criminalize the politics that swirls around you. And they're good at it, and they do it. And if necessary, they intend to try to impeach you. Trust me when I tell you this is their agenda. They are vicious. They are ideologues. They have a Soviet-style mentality. They will not allow an election to get in their way. There's not another radio host in the country the day after the election who said this. There's not another blogger, writer, contributor who said this the day after the election. There's not a single host or guest on Fox or any other channel who said this the day after the election. I come at this with my own experience as chief of staff to an attorney general where the Democrats and the left and the media sicked multiple independent counsel, so-called investigations on him, with no basis whatsoever. And so I knew what would come, and it came. And to underscore this point, I said it again two days later, which is three days after the election. Next cut, go. And they will lay in wait, as I also told you, that day after, Tuesday, Wednesday, by my calendar, that they will try and lay the case for the eventual impeachment of Trump. I'm quite serious about this. You watch. Mark my words. Circle the date on the calendar. Wednesday passed. They're going to spend the next two years, after maybe a month or two or three or four of smiling as they sharpen their knives, they're going to spend the rest of the two-year period doing everything they can to create scandal, to create controversy and provocation. Anybody who serves in this administration is going to be fair game. These leftists use the same tactics as the Marxists. You see them in the streets now? You think these billionaires like Soros are just going to go away? They're already plotting. They're already meeting in their little hotel rooms. They're already doing the things that leftists, radical kooks do. You think they believe in the system? They only believe in the system if they win. They don't accept defeat, ever. And Schumer's the worst of the bunch. And they are plotting right now. Mark my words, they are plotting right now. Trying to figure out ways to bring down this administration. Even before the week is over. And so is Obama.
Now, that was then, and this is now. That was November. Three months later, slightly less than three months later, I continue to read the news reports. I continue to see another pattern. Another pattern based on public news reports. That it was likely that the Obama administration had used FISA to surveil candidate Trump's team, perhaps the Trump transition team. Wasn't certain. But there were little reports popping out here and there about FISA warrants. I'm saying FISA warrants? What the hell could they get a FISA warrant for? Domestic surveillance. I told you. The politicization of our intelligence agencies. Based on what the Obama administration did in terms of the release of information, the distribution of information, the unmasking of information. Domestic political surveillance like we have never seen. For which I came under brutal attack. By virtually every liberal news platform and outlet in America. The Associated Press, CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, you name it. And all I did is put together what they had been reporting at the New York Times. It was the New York Times in a headline that used the word wiretap. I didn't invent it. Then they pulled back quickly and changed their headline. They dismissed it as right-wing conspiracy. Surprised they didn't call me racist or something. Mr. Flynn's name was leaked to the media. That's a felony. His name was unmasked and leaked to the media. That is a felony. That's worse than a false statement. And yet nobody's being charged. Mr. Mueller's not tracing that. He could care less. They leaked themselves. They leaked themselves. I'm telling you, I am any, I'm, I'm really uniquely qualified to tell you as a former chief of staff to an attorney general of the United States that this is as bad as it sounds. The level of corruption is incredible. Incredible. The special counsel's operation, the appointment of Mueller, a close friend of Comey, Comey's operation, Comey's lead investigator, Mueller's lead investigator, Mueller's lead prosecutor. Absolutely incredible. The leaks. Endless leaks. The abusive treatment of subjects and then targets on matters wholly and completely unrelated to Russian collusion with the Trump campaign during the course of the election. The failure to professionally and properly investigate Hillary Clinton's serial violations of the Espionage Act. The failure to charge people around her for obstruction of justice, real obstruction of justice cases. The failure to conduct real interviews, to even take notes, to have transcriptions, recordings. To prepare a memo clearing Hillary Clinton two months before he gives his press release, his press statement, which is altered 
in material ways that have legal significance by the very FBI agent who's texting his girlfriend his, his adulterous affair that he's conducting, texting her pro-Hillary stuff and anti-Trump stuff. Determined not by Mueller, but by the Inspector General, because Mueller could have cared less, and Comey could have cared less. In fact, Mueller covered this all up, hid it from members of the United States Congress. Mueller did. Despite a subpoena from the House Intelligence Committee, he ignored it. So much for the rule of law. So much for the rule of law. Then we get a report in Bloomberg that the special counsel's office has subpoenaed bank records from Deutsche Bank in Germany where Donald Trump does business. And the reporters are out there. Look at this. The noose is tightening. The noose is tightening, says the negative IQ moron, Mrs. Schmo. They wish, of course. They'd love nothing more than to have a constitutional crisis in this country. Then their, their viewership will go from 12 to 13. And that's 12 North Korean generals, by the way. Their favorite show. What's taken place at the highest levels of the FBI is corrupt. And it needs to be addressed. Mr. Rosenstein's appointment of Mr. Mueller was corrupt. And needs to be addressed. Mr. Mueller's investigation is corrupt and needs to be addressed. Now, how do we do this? Well, there's several ways, but one important way is for Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan to get together to form a joint House-Senate investigative committee. An investigative committee that is weighted heavily with serious conservatives within the Republican ranks. The Democrats, of course, will be able to participate, but they will be running interference, they will be obstructing, they will be leaking. They don't have to have a large number of Democrats, just enough. But the purpose is for the Republicans to get to the bottom of this. The Democrats don't care. The Democrats are all for tyranny, if it means power. They care less about the Constitution, the rule of law, any of the rest of it. Except when it comes to terrorists and mass murders, then they're into criminal justice reform, I think they call it. But they will do anything, literally anything. Just remember Ted Kennedy dealing with the Soviets to try and defeat Ronald Reagan. Even when I bring it up today, you'll never hear a Democrat say anything about it. Never. Or the media saying it. Doesn't matter. The Democrats love the Russians. They love the communists. They love the communist dictatorship in Nicaragua. The communist dictatorship in Cuba. The communist dictatorship in Zimbabwe. They've supported all of them. Now all of a sudden, why are you dealing with the Russians? Which they're not. There is no collusion. A false, phony, fraudulent argument made by Hillary Clinton and her campaign, funded by Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC. The money laundered through a law firm, then laundered further through this Fusion GPS, handed over to this creep, this former spy with the Brits, who goes to the Kremlin for some of his information. Then, this wife-cheating, 
FBI agent who's leading the investigation, he uses that dossier in part, as, it, as the reports go, to help launch the Russian collusion investigation. For which now, four men, two have criminal records, they pled guilty, two others are, are, uh, are charged with various crimes, having nothing, nothing, nothing to do with Russian collusion during the course of the campaign. I am passionate about this because I believe in the rule of law. I am passionate about this because I believe in the legitimacy of elections and I reject these silent coups. A phrase that I have coined that is now spread. I understand it was used on Fox repeatedly last night. Good. I understand other radio shows. Good. I'm too busy to focus on all this. On what's going on on this station or that station or who's saying what. I'll be right back. Lovin. We already know that uh, the Justice Department is capable of appointing a special counsel. I'll tell you what needs to be investigated. The conduct of the Federal Bureau of Investigation at the top levels former Director Comey, the intelligence agencies at the senior levels under the Obama administration, and the roles that all of them played in the 2016 campaign. Let me repeat it so the backbenchers can burp it up in the morning, but it's important. We need a special counsel, and we know Mr. Rosenstein's capable of making such appointments, but in this case, even Mr. Sessions, despite his recusal, he can do it. We need a special counsel to investigate the roles of the FBI, former FBI Director Comey, senior officials in the intelligence agencies during the Obama administration, and their roles in the 2016 campaign. This is a massive scandal. A massive scandal. I raised it in March, and I'm raising it again as more and more evidence of this becomes available. You know, folks, we're, we're only touching the surface here. You and I, we don't have subpoena power. We don't have investigative power. And yet, piece by piece, information is revealing itself. What role did they play in the 2016 election? I'll be right back. Liberties 911 Hotline. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. You know, Uber disclosed a breach of 57 million passengers and drivers' records. Hackers access personal information like names and driver's licenses, email addresses, and phone numbers of passengers. Though the breach was just recently announced, this personal information was actually stolen over a year ago. If you're only monitoring your credit, your identity can still be stolen in ways you may not detect. Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, threats you may miss by just monitoring your credit, like someone stealing from your 401k or committing a crime in your own name. 
And if there's a problem, a U.S.-based identity restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock can help you see more threats to your identity. Go to LifeLock.com, LifeLock.com, or call 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK. Make sure you use promo code LEVIN, that's L-E-V-I-N, for 10% off your LifeLock membership. LifeLock.com, promo code LEVIN, save 10% right now. All right, I want to hit another issue. I'm not ignoring, obviously, what we've discussed for 90 minutes here, and much of yesterday. It's crucially important to this republic. But I want to talk about something truly historic that is to take place tomorrow. And that is President Trump recognizing on behalf of the United States, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. It shouldn't have to be historic, it shouldn't even be a big deal, but it is. And the reason is, Republicans and Democrats alike, in Congress and in the Oval Office, have done a fan dance for decades. A fan dance for decades. Where they have pretended that the capital of Israel is not the capital of Israel. Now, this is bizarre. When North Korea says its capital is its capital, we accept it as its capital. When Venezuela says its capital is its capital, we accept it as its capital. When Iran says its capital is its capital, we accept it as its capital. When Israel says its capital is Jerusalem, well, we gotta have a debate, we gotta have a discussion, uh, we gotta organize, we gotta, we gotta wait, we gotta see, I don't know. Oh, oh, it's even worse than that. The Arabs might get upset, the Palestinian Arabs might get upset, the Europeans might get upset, oh, even Rome might get upset. What are we gonna do? And then there's the, the vaunted peace process, which of course has brought it peace, has brought peace for all these decades. You can't do that. 151 countries in the United Nations essentially denounced what Donald Trump is about to do. Not a single European country endorsed it. Not one. Six countries did. And that includes the United States and Israel. And Canada. Nine countries abstained. The idea that Jerusalem, all of Jerusalem, isn't the holiest of places to the Jewish people and the Jewish state is a blasphemous piece of demagoguery and propaganda that has gone on long enough. Why are we afraid of the Palestinian Authority, effectively the PLO? Why are we afraid of Hamas? Why have we accepted this blackmail all these years? It's just incredible that one of our closest allies, and they consider us their closest ally, would be treated this way. Let me ask you a question, honestly. There's many righteous Gentiles, many of you, evangelical Christians. Audiences filled with all kinds of people, which is a wonderful thing. Why would they focus on the one Jewish state to deny the fact of its capital? I think I know why, don't you? 
These same forces in the Middle East are trying to destroy the last vestiges of Christianity in the Middle East. These same forces that are trying to destroy the Jewish state and Judaism and push it out of the Middle East are trying to do the same thing to Christianity. And yet it's fascinating, isn't it? First comes Judaism, then comes Christianity, then comes Islam. But you wouldn't know it. Jerusalem contains the holiest Jewish sites. Do you know what the UN, through its group UNESCO, said just a few months ago? It essentially said those aren't Jewish holy sites. It's occupied territory. How can the western wall, the outer wall, of the second temple of the Jews be occupied territory? How can the church of the Holy Sepulchre, clearly a Christian holy site, be occupied territory, occupied from the Palestinians? How is that possible? Can anybody call this show tonight? Tonight! And show me where the Palestinians are in the Bible. I'm not even a, certainly an expert on any of that. I'm just curious. I'm a historian. So you look at it. Who are the indigenous people in Jerusalem? In 1948, the Israelis are forced to fight for their independence. The kingdom of Jordan, such as it is, an absolute creation of the West, takes the opportunity to seize militarily East Jerusalem, and Judea and Samaria. Why do we call Judea and Samaria the West Bank? The West Bank of what? The West Bank of Jordan? Jordan seized those lands militarily in 1948 and held on to them in until 1967 when the Israelis liberated them. And we still call it the West Bank. The West Bank of what? What exactly is the claim of the Palestinians on Jerusalem? Especially East Jerusalem. What is the claim? The first temple was built there, destroyed by the Babylonians. A few hundred years later, the second temple was built there, destroyed in a brutal, brutal battle with the Romans. A million Jews lost their lives. Way back then. Tens of thousands were nailed to crosses. Tens of thousands of more were taken into slavery. Brutalized, just as ISIS has brutalized. There were no Palestinians there. In fact, there were no Muslims there. None. Not one. Because Islam wasn't founded until several hundred years later. And on that second temple was destroyed. The Western Wall is essentially what remains. So, this has been the ancient capital, the spiritual capital, and in fact the capital 
of the Jewish faith, the Jewish people, and now the state of Israel. For thousands of years. Thousands of years. This is the first president of the United States. Donald Trump. First one. Who campaigned on changing our relationship and our recognition to state the truth that enough is enough. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. It's always been the holy city. How come there are no debates about Mecca and Medina? Can you tell me that? No debates about Mecca and Medina. Those are said to be the holiest sites of Islam. Well, Saudi Arabia is a made-up country. It's not that old. Made up of Bedouin tribes and on and on and on. But why are those the holy cities of Islam? And yet Jerusalem is said to have no connection to Israel, no connection to the Jews. And yet clearly the evidence is overwhelming. It's not a Palestinian city. It's not an Arab city. It's not a Muslim city. It's never been any of those things. Ever. Now, in addition, in 1948, when the Jordanians seized these parts of, uh, I'll call it, these parts of Israel, what did they do in Jerusalem? Well, they killed Jews. They pushed as many Jews out of what they call the Jewish section as they could. And there are ancient synagogues in Jerusalem, as you can imagine. Well, the Jordanians destroyed most of them, 58 of them. Blew them up. Blew them up. In addition to other historic sites. Again, much like ISIS. Is that going on now with Israeli control over the city? Control over even Muslim sites? No. No. Ladies and gentlemen, on this peace process stuff, there can never be any peace. I'll just say it. Nobody else will. There will never be peace between the Palestinian Arabs. And that's what they are. They're Al- Arabs. The name Palestinian was, was concocted. It's a fiction because it sounds like Palestine. There will never be peace. Because the fanatical, fascistic, genocidal leadership of the Palestinians, whether dressed up as Fatah or out of the closet like Hamas, cannot survive unless there's terrorism, conflict, and war. They cannot survive. Two nations living side by side in peace. Really? Is that what Hamas is all about? Have you looked at Lebanon and Hezbollah? They've destroyed that country. Lebanon was a beautiful country, was a democratic country. Significant Christian population, including Christians in the government there. Now the Iranians control it, for all intents and purposes, as well as the Lebanese 
military. Tell me, where are there two nations living side by side in peace, even Muslim nations? If it wasn't the Jews, they'd go after the Christians. If it wasn't the Christians, they'd go after each other. They'd be fighting over Shia or whatever. Sunni. Wouldn't matter. So those who say, well, there's going to be an intifada or there's going to be violence, welcome to the Middle East. Sometimes you have to do what's right. Here we have a president of the United States. I want to say this. I want to emphasize this. I want to underscore this. Because Trump, every effort is made to diminish him, to degrade him, to mock him by lowlights like the Scarboroughs, by lowlights like the Stetler and Lemon and others on CNN, by lowlights throughout the media, by lowlights, phony elitists, Efforts to diminish him. Oh, we don't like the way he tweets. Really? Why don't like the way you have a button on your desk in order to molest interns? What do you think of that? He's the only one. The only one. Should he do what's reported? The only one. In modern times. Since 1950 at least to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. To recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. And that begins the process, by the way, of eventually moving the embassy, the American embassy, from Tel Aviv, which is not Jerusalem's capital, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And my only concern here is it better be done before the end of his first term or it's never going to get done. Or at least the end of his second term, if he has a second term. Because there's not another Republican, I don't believe, who would do this. Maybe a Ted Cruz would do it, but certainly not a Jeb Bush or a Kasich or that line of so-called Republicans. And there's certainly not a Democrat will do it. Because the Democrat Party has become increasingly an anti-Israel party. More of a pro-Palestinian, pro-radical element party. As you could see from the Bernie Sanders uh, at the convention there with the Palestinian flags flying and, and so forth and so on. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Life is stressful, even worse when the IRS is after you for back taxes. You agonize when they'll show up, seize your bank account, put a lien on your home, or garnish your wages. It was even worse for Lori. Lori was engaged, but knew bringing 25 grand of IRS debt into the marriage was not the way to start her new life. So Lori did something really smart. She called the pros at Optima Tax Relief. Optima stepped between Lori and the IRS, analyzed her case, and uncovered some game-changing facts that allowed them to settle her case in her favor. When Optima told Lori that her IRS problems were over, she called it the happiest call of her life, and her wedding was back on. You should do it, too. Optima has resolved over half a billion in tax debt for their clients. They're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. Getting your life back starts the moment you pick up the phone and call Optima for your free consultation. Free consultation. 
Call 800-499-6300. It's that simple. 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. All you're hearing now about what Trump's planning to do is the impact it'll have on the U.N., the response of the Palestinians in the Arab world. What about our friends in Europe? You never hear a scintilla of the history undergirding this decision. The injustice of it. The ahistorical nature of not recognizing it as the capital of the Jews. This is justice. This is the right thing to do. It is momentous. It is a historic milestone. It'll be remembered in the Middle East for centuries to come. It certainly will. Before there was a quote-unquote Jerusalem, <clears throat> right? And I, I have visited what is called the City of David, which is basically at the foothills of Jerusalem, what would become Jerusalem. King David and the City of David. King David's son was King Solomon. King David, King Solomon. No Palestinian king. No Arab king. No Muslim king. There was no Muslim faith. You listening to me? There was no Muslim faith at the time. There were no Palestinians indigenous to Jerusalem or the city of David at the time. Period. Period. And so I want to salute the president who's about to do something that no president before him in modern times has done, had even considered doing. I'll be right back. underground command post deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader Mark Levin Hello everybody Mark Levin here our number 877 877-381-3811 you know, I step back, you look at this in context. We haven't even finished the first year this man is president of the United States. He's got a chorus of Democrats calling for his impeachment. And he hasn't committed anything close to commit an impeachable offense. He hasn't done anything that deserves that kind of a reaction from anybody. There's a special counsel investigating... Across the country, going after people who were associated with him. Going after people who were associated with him. Why? Because Hillary Clinton and the DNC and other apparatchiks whose names we don't even know had so much influence inside the FBI and inside the Justice Department that there's been a special counsel who's not special in any respect. He's a hack and his staff are filled with hacks. Who've done what? 
who try to kneecap him. And as I sit here and think about this, this is we haven't even done one year of his term in office. Not even one year. And they're trying to go down and look at financial records potentially and false statements and this and all Mickey Mouse crap. Where they're trying to create the conditions for impeachment. And I think to myself, can you imagine what this man might be able to accomplish? What he might be able to accomplish if his party rallied around him? doesn't mean you have to agree on everything. I don't agree on everything. I'm talking about the big things. If the party rallied around him, can you imagine what this man might accomplish on behalf of the United States, whether it's dealing with North Korea or Iran? Whether it's dealing with securing American sovereignty and our border. If you don't believe in that, you don't believe in America. Upholding our Constitution. By appointing men and women to the courts who believe in upholding the Constitution. Can you imagine what this man might be able to accomplish? But for the Democrats but for the media, but for the special counsel. I don't have a problem at all with a loyal opposition. I don't have a problem at all with a loyal opposition. But we're not talking about a loyal opposition. We're talking about a disloyal opposition that has no regard for the will of the people. No regard for the constitutional system in the Electoral College. No regard for separation of powers. No regard for the rule of law. They're committed to sanctuary cities. And what are sanctuary cities? They're, they're nullifiers. They believe in nullifying federal law. Nullifying federal law. Where have we heard that before? Well, we heard it from the Confederacy. Arguing for secession in California. Gee, where did we hear that one? Well, we heard it from the Confederacy. Just think about it. And think about the criticisms of this president. When you watch a show, and I don't, but I see clips. Mr. Producer prepares them. When you see clips or watch a show, like The Morning Joe, among them, you have a guy who was accused and confessed to plagiarism. Another guy who's not there anymore because he was a sexual predator. Then you have two hosts who couldn't make it in radio, can't make it on real TV, so they're on MSNBC. Lecturing people about you shouldn't have relationships with your colleagues in the office. When apparently that's what they did. I'm not attacking them, I'm just saying how ridiculous they sound who really have nothing to bring to the table. Nothing important to say, bracing, intelligent, interesting, entertaining, nothing. They are there as attack dogs. That's it. When you look at CNN, CNN isn't a news operation. It's an opposition attack operation. Dressed up as some kind of a journalist platform. It's not. It's not. They work hand-in-hand with the Democrats on Capitol Hill. They work hand-in-hand with the prosecutor's office. Comey leaked to them. Mueller's office leaks to them. Same with the Post. Same with the New York Times. But can you imagine 
We're not even done the first year. What's been going on here? What this man, Trump, might be able to accomplish. And the reason I and so many of you are celebrating so much of what he's doing is because so much of what he's doing is conservative. So much of what he's doing is conservative. Trying to rein in regulations. I don't agree with this tax plan, but still, he's trying to cut taxes. He's trying to secure American sovereignty, which includes, like any country that seeks to survive, securing our borders, for crying out loud. He's trying to deal with North Korea, which hasn't been dealt with in any significant and serious way by past presidents, all of whom have appeased the various family members running that country. He's trying to address Obama's complete historic sellout to the Iranian regime. He's trying to address that through the Obama deal by triggering the appropriate sections of that deal. And I could go on. If you're a conservative, you must admit that Donald Trump has been more conservative than you anticipated. Which is why most conservatives, I'm not talking about self-aggrandizing pseudo-conservatives who worked for Bush or self-aggrandizing pseudo-conservatives who are part of the Never Trump movement. I'm not talking about them. They've got their own agendas and their own psychological issues. When you look at this honestly and objectively, and remember, I supported Cruz in the Republican primaries, so I know of what I speak. You have to conclude that Donald Trump is the most conservative president since Ronald Reagan. No, he's not as conservative, but that's okay. He's the most conservative president since Ronald Reagan. There's no question in my mind about that. He would like to build up the military further. They're blocking him. He would like to secure the border, including physical barriers like a wall. They're blocking him. He would like to repeal all of Obamacare. They're blocking him. A president can only do so much if a president actually honors the Constitution, unlike Obama. He's trying to undo what Obama did to some of our, our lands, our open spaces, which were nationalized by Obama. Across the board, quite frankly. He's doing the right thing. It's not because he's a philosophical conservative. It's not because he's a nationalist populist. It's because I believe that he concludes through his own way of digesting issues and processing issues that the principled, conservative, constitutional capitalist way is the right way. Again, I strongly disagree with him on, on protectionism, on trade, but okay, so what? When it comes up, we'll duke it out. Not to sabotage him, but to fight for a better deal. I strongly oppose this tax stuff that's going on in Congress. I do not understand this argument 
that we're screwing the blue states. That's not the purpose of tax cuts. We don't want to screw anybody. We want to cut everybody's taxes. I don't care how much they earn. That's the goal. That's what Reagan did. I reject this idea that somehow if you camouflage it as going after the blue states, that the individuals and families who happen to live in these blue states and may have lived in these blue states one generation after another when they were red states, that somehow punishing them is good for the country. We're not subsidizing states through our tax code. We're allowing people who have an income, have already paid or already are paying federal income taxes to keep more of their money so they can pay for their home. It's really double taxation. The property tax deduction has been in existence for 100 years. Well, now we're going to stick it to them. Republicans raising taxes. So I reject it. Trump will sign it if he gets it. And he's still the most conservative president since Ronald Reagan. There is no way the vast majority of people running for president who were lined up on those various stages in those various debates would have had the guts to do what he's been doing in so many respects. Now, here's the truth. The media, the left, the Democrats, they don't hate him because of the way he tweets. They mock him. They mock him. No. They hate him because of what he's doing. And they hate him because he he stopped by his election what was to be the Obama third term. That's why they hate him really has nothing to do with his tweets. I mean, they tolerated Bill Clinton's uh, sexual predation. They tolerated Ted Kennedy's drunkenness and his sexual predation. They tolerated Hillary Clinton's multiple scandals. So it's not like the media or the left or the Democrats in Congress have morals or standards. They don't. They want to take out Trump because of what he's doing and what he wants to do. That's why they want to take out Trump. That's why guys like Jeff Flake, who won't even go down in history, won't even be a footnote to a footnote in history. Guy donates $100 to Doug Jones, the Democrat, the leftist running in Alabama. For country, not party, he writes. The idiot. Then don't give money to anybody. But he backs a left-wing Democrat who favors abortion on demand and on and on and on. That's Jeff Flake. So, I just wanted to point this out. They're trying to paralyze this man in his administration. They're trying to drive up his negatives to historic levels and they're succeeding. They're trying to ensure that if they can't get him indicted or can't get him impeached or can't or can't cause him to drop out, that they will defeat him in the next election. That's what this is all about. It is hideous. Absolutely hideous. I'll be right back. Mark
mention the Koran? How many times? Not once. Jerusalem's not mentioned once in the Koran. If Jerusalem is the third or the fourth holiest Muslim site, don't you think it would be mentioned at least once by Muhammad? It's not mentioned once. I'm just telling you things that you won't hear on CNN or read in the Washington Compost or the New York Slimes. Now, the New York Slimes, of course, we know has a little bit of problem with history. The New York Slimes was denying the Holocaust in the middle of the Holocaust, pushing news of the Holocaust to the back pages. How do we know this? Because the New York Times has slapped itself in the face a few times, confessing to such reporting. Tell me, if you're not going to report on the Holocaust in the middle of the Holocaust, why are you still a newspaper? Why does anybody find any credibility in that newspaper? I have no idea. I don't. All right. Let me see who's out there. This show goes way too fast. Oh, the descendants of the Philistines. There, there you go. I'm not taking that call. There's another dummy. No, they're not the descendants of the Philistines. They're Arabs. No offense. Rovi, San Diego, Sirius Satellite, go. Hi, Mark Levin. First of all, thank you very much for all, you, all the good you do. Really thank appreciate you. it. All right. I don't know what all good I do, but thank you. Well, you know, pushing forward the conservative cause. So, uh, um, and liberty, uh, baby, liberty. It's almost never mentioned, but that's where I am. Exactly. Um, so, so I just uh, the reason I called was uh, because of uh, I moving the embassy to Jerusalem. I wrote an article today and hold on now, hold on now. We're not doing that tomorrow. We're acknowledging and recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. So this is sort of the forerunner to eventually moving the embassy. That's true. So, uh, right, and I really appreciate I really appreciate President Trump, uh, his impending recognition of Jerusalem as, as the capital of Israel, because I think that the U.S. taking a leadership role finally under President Trump can actually encourage many other countries to follow suit, of, uh, whether in the short term or whether it takes a long time. Why do we care? But, but, because Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Because no, 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 I know that. Why do we care if, say, France recognizes it or not? Because every single country is important. Uh, you, you, you can't have... Okay. Uh, I, I really don't worry about it. When you have 151 of them voting the way they did in the U.N., I can't say so every single country is not important. Right. I mean, maybe uh, slightly important, but but but, but uh, eventually, in terms of the numbers... If, if you I know have, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat waiting for Bolivia. <laughs> well, uh, well, you know, who knows? Chile. Uh, but but um, there, there well, are... look, every country's free to do it. They can read the same history that I read. Uh, they can acknowledge the same facts that are, in fact, facts. Nobody's stopping them. They're free to uh, live in a la-la land if they want to, or to recognize uh, Jerusalem as, as the capital of Israel. Um, ever since uh, Israel declared it as the capital ever since uh, declared as a uh, uh, you know unified capital of Israel, or uh, or or to recognize that that you know uh, Jewish people have a connection to Jerusalem dating back thousands of years, like you mentioned about King David, so dating back from King David that was roughly I guess three thousand years ago. Um, so right, I mean France doesn't necessarily make so much of a of a, of a difference, and and I don't expect France to uh, to. Uh, All right, my friend, I get your point. By the way. Uh, Rovi, did France exist 3,000 years ago? I don't think so, no. 
And and the UK did not. Tell me, that. was there a Paris 3,500 years ago? Uh, absolutely not. Just curious. All right, my brother. I appreciate your call. I enjoyed talking about these things. When I was in Israel and we did, what was it, three shows from there, Mr. Producer? I believe those were three of the best shows I've ever done, and I barely said anything. It was the guests who were outstanding, truly outstanding, telling us things, telling anybody who would listen things that you're, you know, we have all these cable channels, we have all these satellite channels, we have these big network channels, and you never hear this stuff. You're the same tripe over and over again. I'll be right back. They call him Mr. Right, Mr. Conservative, and Mr. Constitution. But you can call him Mark at 877-381-3811. You've heard me talk about AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, and their conservative efforts on the Hill. But did you know that AMAC is also your resource for all things Medicare? Now that the Medicare annual election period is here, it's the perfect time to visit AMAC's website at www.amac.us. If you're searching for a Medicare plan that meets your needs, AMAC Senior Resources Network is a good place to start. It's a great place to start. With access to multiple A-rated insurance companies, AMAC is able to deliver you choices. More than that, AMAC has knowledgeable, licensed agents who will take the time to answer all of your questions, explain your options, and help you choose a plan that suits your individual needs. Personalized Medicare guidance from licensed, certified professionals, plus the ability to choose what's right for you. Another reason why AMAC is better. So don't wait. The Medicare annual election period runs through December 7th. Last time I checked today is what, December 5th? That's this Thursday. The deadline is this Thursday. Speak quickly and speak to a trusted, licensed AMAC agent to discuss your needs. Learn more at www. Dot .amac.us that's www.amac.us you really need to hurry now time's running out www.amac.us all right we'll take some calls here by the way did you know the republican tax plan which has a new bracket to raise taxes on so-called rich and which will eliminate either completely or mostly your deductions on your property taxes and your state income taxes. Do you know that this plan is going to defund government and take money from cancer and diabetes drugs, according to Tim Ryan, Democrat of Ohio? He's an up-and-comer to replace Pelosi, don't you know? And where does this demagogue find a platform for his propaganda? You guessed it, on the morning schmo. Cut 11, go. This is part of a larger strategy to defund government, and then you're all... Don't you all feel like they're defunding the government with trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in debt? Doesn't it feel like they're defunding the government to you? These people are pathetic. Go ahead. 
Gordon and some of the others uh, in the Congressional Freedom Caucus, the Tea Party Caucus, saying, look, we got to cut spending. You hear it from Warren Hatch saying, look, we're, we don't have money for the children's health insurance program, which is to provide health insurance for poor kids. Um, so they're already starting that argument of defunding. Oh, look, we don't have the money. Now we can't make these domestic That's investments. Enough. This is why some days I think there's no hope. I think there's no escaping uh, an economic disaster which will lead to a, uh, a a constitutional disaster and sink the whole civil society. This is why. Because we look at the numbers. I don't produce them. The government itself produces them. You look at the numbers. You look at the spending. You look at the entitlements. You look at the, how these are unfunded liabilities, and you wonder how the hell we're going to catch up with this. And then you have guys like this. The Democrat Party is so... Uh, mesmerized by its own ideology, that it is steadily moving this course, the country towards the course of destruction. It just is. And any Republicans who go along with it are equally responsible. Al, Belle Isle, Florida, Sirius Satellite, go. Hey, Mark, with all of the political shenanigans and political hacks in the FBI at the upper reaches... And while I'm a supporter of law enforcement, they help keep us safe and keep everyone in order for the most part. I have to really think about if I ever got approached by an FBI agent or if someone I knew got approached by an FBI agent wanting information, I would have a hard time cooperating with any such law enforcement under the circumstances and the hacks that I see at the upper reaches of the FBI. I hate to say it, but I think they have just poisoned the entire FBI, and I have really no confidence in the agency. I have a lot of confidence in the men and women in the FBI who do the daily work, you know, dealing with the mob, dealing with embezzlers, dealing with all kinds of international crime and so forth and so on, and they they work hard, and these are excellent, excellent patriotic Americans. My problem is with this upper echelon, which is politicized, which is corrupt, uh, which is obtaining uh, law enforcement all over the country, and we got to clean them out. We we really have to clean them out. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. Let's see. Jeremy, Charlotte, North Carolina, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, Mark, how you doing this evening? Okay. Going just fine. Hey, Mark, I just want to appreciate what you're doing uh, here in the country, here in North Carolina. I was just made it, talking to the call screener. really believe that the focus about Jerusalem being the capital, being a Christian myself, I mean – Historically, this is, it has to be. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Really, most of us believers who are, you know, Christian, that is, just supporting the Jewish brothers and sisters and saying this is where You know what? You're, you're so right. Let me tell you something. Righteous Gentiles, evangelical Christians, and so forth, are more supportive of Israel than secular Jews. I'm sorry I said, did I say that? Yes, I did say it. And it's true. Go ahead, sir. Well, even if there is an Ernie Grabowski out there, he's going to probably believe it, too, if he is, all right? So, you know, no, it's absolutely true. I mean, I, my family and myself, I mean, we're, I'm half Hispanic myself. My mom is from Illinois and my father's from Arizona. And now I live here in North Carolina, but I see it all over. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's we, we just we know it's right. We know it's true. And that's all we're going to do is keep supporting it. But just appreciate what you've been doing, Mark. Thank you for the books. Uh, they've meant a lot to me, and I know my family, so... We just want to thank well, you. I appreciate it, Jeremy, and you too. Yep. God bless. 
Let us continue. Lee, Indianapolis, Indiana, the great WFDM. I've been on that station for 10 years now. It's amazing. Great station. Go right ahead. Uh, Denali, good evening. Good evening, sir. Uh, as you've gone through and kind of detailed some of the tactics that uh, Mueller and his team have used against the people they're investigating, these, you know, no-knock, pre-dawn raids, kicking down the doors while people are still in bed asleep and all that, it reminded me very much of a topic that you touched on must have been two years ago when you were talking about general warrants and the way that the British Crown used those mm-hmm. to basically tyrannize the colonists that were there. It, what we seem to have with the Mueller investigation is not investigating a particular crime. It's an investigation in search of a crime, and if they can't find one, to construct one. Mm-hmm. Was this kind of what they were doing back at that time? Is this comparable? I think, I, again, I have to project, I think the framers will be repulsed by the whole idea that you have – I'm not opposed, per se, to special prosecutors if their charge is limited and focused uh, and if the person to whom they report is serious about overseeing them. I mean, it, w- it would be silly to say otherwise. I mean, uh, U.S. attorneys aren't in the Constitution either. So an attorney general having U.S. attorneys, or I understand they're created by statute, or an attorney general through regulatory authority being able to appoint an attorney to conduct a specific investigation. That doesn't bother me in the least. What bothers me here is that's not what happened. What happened is the attorney general steps aside. The deputy attorney general buckles to Democrat and media pressure. There was no reason whatsoever, even with the firing of Comey, to appoint a special counsel to look into Russian collusion. Uh, and uh, to appoint Mueller of all people. I think what the framers would say is we have three branches of government and you've just continued to destroy it. And so you have sort of this roving prosecutor and they would be very concerned about it. And you make an excellent point. It's not <clears throat> a direct parallel but, this parallel, but this notion of general warrants. When you look at the Bill of Rights, they're very specific about warrants, probable cause, uh, that sort of thing. They believe in justice. They believe in justice for the individual. They believe in protecting the individual against an out-of-control, rogue, potentially, central government. Well, does it look like these individuals are protected from an out-of-control, rogue prosecutor here, given, given his, uh, his subordinates as prosecutors, given his subordinates as FBI investigators? This is completely a hack job, a complete rogue operation. And we have one political party in this country that thinks it's swell, as long as it's not targeting their guys. We have a media in this country that pretends to support... Freedom of the press, they don't support freedom of the press. They support big, centralized government. All right, my friend, but that was a very good very good point. I appreciate it. That's Lee. Let us go to Chris in Toledo, Ohio on Sirius Satellite. Yes, Chris. Hi, Mark. How you doing? All right. How are you? Great, great. Love the show. Thank you. I have a couple quick questions. Why is the Republican Party silent? through all this, why is no one stepping up and saying anything? Well, because Mitch McConnell's focused on Roy Moore in, in Alabama. Uh, and I don't know what Paul Ryan's focused on, but you're exactly right. In fact, when, when they speak, what do they say, Chris? Well, you better not impede the prosecutor. Well, you better not do this. You better not do that. It's pathetic. It absolutely is pathetic. My other question is, do they think the people are so stupid that every politician in this country, Democrat, Republican, is 
filthy, fat, rich in this country is flat broke. Do they think the people don't see this? I'll tell you what, they make, uh, they sure as hell make a lot of money when they want to, when they leave office. Where's Boehner today? Isn't he a lobbyist? Where is, uh, what was that goofball from Mississippi? Where's Trent Lott? He's worth a fortune. He's a lobbyist. Uh, Chris Dodd represents Hollywood or the movies. Uh, you go on and on and on. <clears throat> they all uh, feather their nests, don't they? Or certainly most of them. All right, Chris, appreciate your call. Sam, we'll slip you in here. Vienna, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Mr. Levin, it's an honor to talk with you uh, this evening. Uh, regarding you. Israel, in 1968, go to my ear said there was no such thing as a Palestinian, and she was right. Mm-hmm. I've been from Janine to Hebron over the three years I worked for the U.S. government in the West, well, they call it the West Bank, Judea and Samaria. There is absolutely no reason why the entire, what is now known as the West Bank, but I call it Judea and Samaria, should not be uh, unified because the 45 uh, settlements in the West in the West Bank, Judea and Samaria, are not going to go away, and the settler bypass roads that bifurcate the West Bank are not going to go away. Mm-hmm. Israel right now is eight miles wide in its narrowest point at the city of Tulkarim. So what what type of 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 state can exist when it's only eight miles wide? Mm-hmm. So. Jerusalem is on it can and will be the undivided capital, as Israel has said, and the United States needs to acknowledge that it's mm-hmm. pure, pure and simple. Uh, respect for the state of Israel. We are the greatest ally. They are our greatest supporter in, in the Middle East, and we need to acknowledge that through uh, the uh, movement of the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And that will be next, I believe, but it won't happen if Donald Trump isn't president. I, I can I can almost predict that. The Democrats certainly won't do it. They'll be busy, you know, giving Iran more uh, more of what Iran wants. But uh, no, I agree a hundred percent. An excellent call, very educational. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Oregon, the great KUFO. Go. Mr. Bard, Merry Christmas. Thanks for giving me a break every day from yelling at my radio. I think uh, these people who whine about Jerusalem being the capital of Israel, they should also whine about Washington, D.C. being the capital of America. I mean, we took it from the Native Americans or even the British, if you want to go a little bit back. Why aren't they complaining about that? Israel won the space fair and square a few years back. And they're the only country probably in history to be told, sorry, you won, but you can't have it. Enough of this already. Just let them have the space. Amen. Yeah, but that is a great point. You know, you have the 67 war. You have the Yom Kippur war. You have wars before that. Really war since with the Intifada and so forth. And it's, okay, stop. Give them their, you know, give them that land back. Give them those battles. But, you know, excuse me. That's not the way it works, is it? No. That's, that's Germany. <laughs> no, that's right. All right, Mark, good call. Thank you, sir. Francis, Sebring, Florida, Sirius Satellite, quickly go. Francis, uh, Go, baby, go. Am I on? Anyway, I, I was, my, my concern, Mark, is uh, 
the bar association. Why aren't they involved in the? Obviously, we can see here that the, these are lawyers. That they're not. Uh, where's the bar association involved? Because here? the bar association agrees with them. That's why. The bar association is a liberal organization. It's why I haven't been a member in like thirty some years. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Will you do me a favor? Check out Levin TV tonight. I spent an hour on the issue of Jerusalem and Trump and the history behind all of it. I think you'll find it fascinating. See you tomorrow, America.